Welcome to the Granary Church podcast. We're happy you could join us. For more information on the Granary Church, head to granary.org.au or follow our socials at the Granary Church. We've been singing tonight about how God is a way maker and how he's a light in the darkness. And, you know, in our church language, we talk about how um, we, God is bringing the kingdom within, among and beyond. And tonight through worship, I think we're able to see that God was moving within us and he's moving among us. And tonight we're also going to hear about how God is being a light or we're being a light in the darkness through God um, um, beyond our church. And so I want to invite up Amy now. So let's make her feel welcome. Amy, tell us again a bit more about who IJM is and what they do. Yeah, thanks so much, Britt. So International Justice Mission is the world's largest anti-slavery organisation. We work in countries all around the world to stop people who are poor uh, experiencing violence, whether it's people in brick kilns uh, in different parts of India and Bangladesh, children on fishing boats in Ghana trapped there, you know, young women and girls in brothels uh, in different parts of the world. Um, that's where we go. We go where others won't. Uh, and we often do that with the support of the church. Tell us a bit about your role in um, IJM and um, yeah, how you bring your skill set into this work. Yeah, so I'm the Chief Advocacy Officer and what that means is that I go and advocate to government and to corporates and others, big movers in the space and say, this is what you can do to help end this really big problem. Sometimes that's small and sometimes it's very big, like asking governments to put a modern slavery act in or to be funding work of justice strengthening systems in areas around us for our neighbours, like Indonesia, where we've just opened an office. So this wasn't always what I did. Um, for about 10 years, I was actually working in politics. I was a I worked for a union, I was a political staffer, and I actually almost went into parliament. But God had different plans for my life, and there was a real period of wrestling there, and me thinking this is what I want to do, and God having some other things (laughs) and putting some other people in my life that really shaped how I might think about what I could do. And so when the job came up at IJM, I had a lot of friends pray and send me the um, job description. And, um, yeah, he just really put it on my heart, and um, it's been a joy and a privilege. It's probably the hardest thing I've ever done, and that's coming from politics, but uh, just because the places we go are really dark and that can be quite overwhelming but also as a Christian what an absolute blessing to see the way the miracles happening children being found things that you could never could have imagined being done and it's really it's when you really realize things are done in God's strength in this work all right I'm going to pray for you as you bring us your um, God's word God, I thank you for Amy. I thank you, Lord, for the way you're using her and her role in IJM. And I thank you for um, the amazing organization that it is and for the way these workers right across the world, Lord, are um, stepping out in faith as they seek to bring your light into these dark places. We pray for Amy right now, Lord, that you'll give her the words to say and the strength and energy and um, speak to each of us right now, Father. Amen. Thanks so much, Britt. Um, So I thought before we open God's Word and we open Ephesians to think about how we might respond to this really difficult issue, I might try and paint the scene a bit more for you about what we're up against. So the statistics on the screen are actually, as of this week, out of date. Um, The Global Slavery Index came out this week and the absolutely overwhelming figure of now 50 million people enslaved around the globe. And that can be really hard to imagine here in Australia. That's not something, it's not just being exploited or not being quite paid minimum wage. These are people literally trapped. Um, 
you might borrow as little as 50 bucks to pay for someone in your family to go to get some medicine and then you might spend the next 40 years with your whole family, including your small children, paying that back. So that's what we're talking about when we talk about slavery. This is a very gendered problem, as you might imagine. So women really are the ones who experience the most amount of violence in the world and that's definitely the case in the countries where IJM work. But also youth and children are disproportionately um, really experiencing this. So just to give you a bit of a, I suppose the upside of this is that IJM are expanding quite quickly and through partnerships with churches like your own, we're moving into more and more countries to try and meet the need where we're not just rescuing uh, kids like you've uh, heard about, we are also trying to strengthen justice systems. And mean, so in Australia, when you call triple zero, hopefully the police will turn up and there'll be some kind of uh, court system that there will be social workers, people to care for you, a system that exists where there's right and wrong. In most of the countries where IJM work, when we start there, that's not the case. If you don't have any money, the police aren't turning up. Uh, so we're working all over the world. This year we've sort of added um, Romania and the Ukraine border and Poland, as you would imagine for all those reasons as women are coming across the border. But we're also increasingly working in Bangladesh and Indonesia and India. Uh, so that just gives you a bit of an idea of the scale of the problem. And IJM do different ki kinds of work against different types of slavery all around the world as part of a global movement. So that's all a bit dark, even if you're struggling to get your head around those really big numbers. Uh, but there's some other great numbers I can share with you. 66,000 people have been rescued since IJM started 20 years ago, um, which is something to be celebrated. Just like every person um, when they find Jesus is a miracle and something to be celebrated, so is every child, every person made in God Im God's image who is rescued. Uh, so there's a lot to celebrate there. And you've also seen 3,200 criminals convicted in local courts, and that sets a precedent, which which means it's against the law, so people don't want to do it, which is great. But even more so, that means 150 million people are safe now, so they're less likely to experience these crimes in the first place, and that's why we exist. It's not just to rescue kids, it's to make sure that it doesn't ever happen. So um, in, that's a lot of facts and different things to get your head around, so bear with me. But I suppose as we, if you're a follower of Jesus like I am, it can be like, how do I respond to this? What, what do I look, what do I do? And so together, why don't we uh, have a look at Ephesians 6 uh, and work through how we might respond. So read along with me. Ephesians 6 reads, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armour of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armour of God, so that when that day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. So as we open and we really think about this issue, I think I just want to start with verse 10 here. It says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armour of God so you can take a stand against the devil's schemes. 
So if you're a follower of Jesus, there is no shortage of brokenness and spiritual battles in our own life, in our own workplaces, but um, we are assured here that we are fully equipped. Throughout the second half of Ephesians, Paul outlines the many ways in which the church can be divided, but he continually comes back for is all you need is the full armour of God. Now, I want to tell you about Ruby. Uh, Ruby uh, was a young girl in regional, well, not was, is a young girl uh, who was living at the time in the region of the Philippines. Unfortunately, her father passed away uh, and then about 18 months later, so did her mother. And this is not uncommon in some really regional poor parts of the Philippines. Um, all Ruby wanted um, was to be able to have some hope, uh, to have a job. And so one day when she was sitting at her computer, because it's quite common still to have the internet, she got a message offering her a job. Uh, and that job was to work in a computer shop in Manila. And even more so, she was so excited that she thought it was an answer to prayer uh, that they were going to pay her fare to take her there. So she was transferred this money um, and she took that money and she got on a boat and a train at 16 and got all the way to Manila, um, really excited, uh, lots of hopes and dreams. She thought after all the loss she'd experienced in her life that there could be some purpose. But when she arrived uh, there, the woman who had been communicating with her was not there. It was a gruff-looking guy, uh, and he took her to a pretty scary-looking house. Uh, she was sort of, all right, we'll just go with this. And uh, she got to the house, and she was talking inside. All the blinds were closed, and she saw a lot of other young women uh, like her. And it didn't take very long for Ruby to actually realise that she'd been tricked and she'd been trapped. Uh, and she was now in a cyber sex den. Uh, what a horrific thing to happen to a young person. Now I'm gonna come back and tell you a little bit more about Ruby later. Uh, there is a lot of hope in this story. I actually got to meet her two weeks ago. But as we think about the next part of this passage, I just want you to remember that. So all we need in any fight against evil, however big or small, is to clothe ourselves in God's armor. It's true and important to note that the devil's schemes in this world refers to more than matters of injustice and slavery and violence against those who are poor, absolutely. But we also know right from the start, from Eden itself, that the devil has been out to destroy men, women and children created in the image of God. That's why the demon-possessed man of Mark 5 would live day and night among the tombs, crying out and cutting himself with stones. If people won't destroy themselves, the evil one will try and do others to do it. And what could be a more horrific example of the devil's schemes in this world than of what I just shared with you about Ruby and about the $150 billion industry designed to destroy the lives of others, people made in the image of God, of people like Ruby uh, locked away um, with no hope. And right now, um, with you know, in the wake of COVID, those who are poor are more vulnerable than ever. That's why those statistics have gone from 40 million to 50 million. Uh, it's even harder for our investigators to find those who are trapped. Uh, it's harder for courts. It's been a lot harder for them to meet or for officers to be trained. And it's been much harder to put violent criminals behind bars. Uh, but what I find encouraging is that if we are in any doubt about how God feels about injustice, all we need to do is open up the book of Isaiah. So Isaiah 61, I'll read along. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrongdoing. In my faithfulness, I will reward my people and make an everlasting covenant. So why should we use the armour of God in the battle against slavery? Well, we know it because God literally tells us to, because that's what he himself does. So back in Isaiah's day, the people of Israel, God's chosen people, thought it was okay to bring amazing worship, all their fancy sacrifices, 
But at the same time, they ignored the plight of widows, the fatherless and the oppressed. And how could it happen? These are God's chosen people who should be known for their justice, their mercy and walking humbly with their God. But instead, injustice and violence were ruling their streets. So when the Lord sees this, how does he respond? I think what Isaiah says next is some of the strongest language that we read in the Bible. And Isaiah 59, 15 to 17 says this. Truth is nowhere to be found, and whoever shuns evil becomes a prey. The Lord looked and was displeased that there was no justice. He saw that there was no one. He was appalled that there was no one to intervene. So his own arm achieved salvation for him, and his own righteousness sustained him. He put on righteousness as his own breastplate and the helmet of salvation on his head. He put on the garments of vengeance and wrapped himself in zeal as a cloak. God says, I am so appalled that my people are doing nothing about this injustice in the world that I'm going to put the armour on myself and take care of it. I think it's important to remember that Paul was a renowned Pharisee. There's little doubt that he might have had the injustices in the Old Testament or Isaiah 59 running through his mind when he wrote about the armour of God in Ephesians 6. So imitating God, the church can only today take a stand against injustices like modern slavery as they wear God's armour. Um, the good thing and the thing I definitely find encouraging after <laughs> having been overseas quite recently in Manila is that we will never stand in our own strength. We'll never win our own victory. We battle in the power and protection of Jesus, who in his cross and resurrection has already won the decisive victory. So Ephesians 1, 19 to 21 reads, His incomparably great power for us who believe is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand of the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but the one to come. So God is saying, you have this, you have the Holy Spirit. When I'm often <laughs> preaching to youth, I would say, if it was a John Wayne movie, you would say, don't bring a wooden spoon to a gunfight. Why would we turn up trying to fight these horrible things in our own strength when God has given us the Holy Spirit? So as we engage in the battle to free those who are captives, as we meet these ways of injustice in our world and choose to open our eyes to them, as we seek to extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one's destruction in this world, God says to us, put on my armour, church, and we'll stand in Jesus' resurrection power. We'll stand and we will fight, and in him we'll stand in victory. In his armour, we'll set captives free, captives like Ruby. So IJM helped Philippine authorities track Ruby down. Uh, one night she was lying on the floor crying in, in the den that she was in. She was threatened that day with a kitchen knife to her throat. Ruby cried out to the Lord and said, if you are real, save me. Uh, little did she know that IJM at that very time were working with the Philippine authorities to locate Ruby and other girls' um, location. The couple who ran the illegal operation were sentenced to 15 years prison. Those doors were literally kicked down. Those chains were broken free. And people like Ruby, through this work, there are actually a 1,000 Rubies that have been rescued in the Philippines in the last 10 years, which is just incredible. Everyone a miracle. But we're now really getting to that next stage where we're looking at how do we stop this happening in the first place? And it's just horrible to think that one in five perpetrators of you know this horrible crime are Australians and that that's happening through the internet in our country. But then also how wonderful if the church were known for and stepping in to end the thing that our society is essentially creating. 
basically today, uh, your church is already partnering with IJM. We're, you know, praying. So many of you are stepping into the fold and having real heart for injustice. But I want to encourage you today to have a think and a pray about what it might look like for you to help us uh, continue this mission, especially in countries like the Philippines and India where we're working. If IJM are to expand our work, if we're to bring more people to freedom, put more traffickers and slave drivers behind bars, continue bringing ongoing transformation to justice systems all over the world as the challenge gets even bigger, uh, we're going to need more and more people to become freedom partners. So you might see on your seat, I encourage everyone to grab it right now, there's a little flyer here that says One Church United to End Slavery. Now, a freedom partner is somebody who financially gives a bit of money each week. We have $35 as a sort of set amount, but that's like eight bucks fifty a week. It's like a coffee and a half, depending on whether you buy a coffee in Sydney or New Cooks Hill. I don't know. <laughs> and so you get weekly prayer points sent to you, how you can be praying and hearing about different people and their plights all over the world for our staff, but also contributing to that mission. That also helps us know that money is regularly coming in so we can commit to putting more stuff on the ground. So imagine even if just 25 people here today became freedom partners, that would enable us to have a whole investigation team in the Philippines supporting the local police that don't have enough people to help find these kids in the first place. And if we could do that, that would be incredible. That would fund that team for a whole year. Um, so I invite you now, I might get the band to come up, just to have a think and a pray about how you might respond to what we heard today. I'm just back from Manila and feeling quite confronted by what I saw, but I also saw the power of um, what God is doing there. I got to meet Ruby um, and she's just such a joy now. She is now one of our survivor leaders. She's mentoring other kids that are coming through. She's got a university degree. She's got two little kids uh, and she's choosing to raise her voice. But she will openly say to anyone that the only way she's healed and been restored um, has been through the support she's been provided, but also through the miracle that God has done in her own life. Uh, and she shares that testimony of literally crying out uh, to the Lord for her rescue. We've also got a podcast now that's just come out on Ruby's story. Um, you can come and see me afterwards if you want some more details or you can just Google the fight of my life and that actually goes through every step of Ruby's journey um, that we'll talk about that and you might really enjoy hearing some more of some of this complicated work and understanding um, what that really means. So I encourage you right now to take a moment to pray. Uh, you can scan the QR code, have a real think and a pray about whether you'd like to support financially uh, and we'll just let the band play. Thanks. Thank you for listening to our Sunday podcast. If you enjoyed it, either subscribe or follow on the podcast app that you use to keep up to date on when our next Sunday podcast gets released. Have a safe and blessed week.